0: Well, hello out there to anyone listening. This is your homeboy, G-Money Clip. First of all, I wanted to give a big shout-out to Dr. Steve for giving us a shout-out on Twitter. Please follow Dr. Steve at Weird Medicine on Twitter, and check out his show, Weird Medicine, on SiriusXM XM Channel 103, or even better yet, check it out as a podcast, available just about anywhere you would get podcasts. Very nice of Dr. Steve to do that. Shouting out our Battlefield Earth review. So, once again, thank you, Dr. Steve. Check him out. And now I'm going to shut up and get out of the way. So, enjoy the episode. Well, hello out there to anyone listening. This is Onion Ring Sasquatch, ORS at the Movies, coming at you once again. This is the movie review podcast that always delivers what they promise without ever taking any unnecessary breaks. This is your host, your homeboy, G-Money Clip. And with me today, as always, my homeboy, Thornton Mellon. My homeboy. Bah, weep, grana, weep, ninnybong.
1: bong Bah, weep, grana, weep, ninny-bong.
0: Hey, I remember that you want to talk or what? If you're listening to us, you can catch video versions of our podcasts up on YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey. And if you're watching any of the videos, you can find our audio up at Podcast Addict, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, just about anywhere you can find a podcast. And uh, this is reminding me that I need to get to work on some of these videos because we've recorded a few episodes now and I've spent most of my time editing the audio instead of getting into putting the videos out. It's a one-man show. It takes a little while.
1: The videos are my favorite. I think that's where the where the money's at. Yeah. That's the, good
0: stuff. The videos are kind of like the director's cut. Like when I put the audio together, it's sort of like a rough draft because I'm using that audio to work the videos in so it gives me more time and I, I'll come up with stuff that's like, oh yeah, I should have thought of that the first time through and then I can sort of add things to it as we go. So yeah, I think the videos are my favorite too. They just take a long time. <laughs> It's one person, and when you're making like an hour-and-a-half-long video, I mean, they take years to make an hour-and-a-half-long movie. Right. At least I don't have to shoot any of this stuff myself, <laughs> I suppose, so there's that going for no me. No major which special is... effects. No, not really. I mean, they have them in the editing, so I don't know how to use them, because I'm the most hacky, slashy editor on the face of the earth, but that's because I haven't been to school. I'm learning the stuff on the fly. i right. alone.
1: Well, we've done enough of these now that I can be all meta and make callback internal references that the casual listener won't get. But you know, the big fans will recognize, oh, that's from episode four. He's making callbacks now. They'll, yeah, they'll dig all the internal jokes now.
0: He's referencing an episode he didn't even do. <laughs> that was Junior's episode. Junior, ju-
1: Junior held his own on that. that was, yeah, that was he good. filled in like nicely.
0: That. He, Of course, he just did our last one with, with Jules there. Talking about fatal deviation with uh, with any luck we'll have up in time for St. Patrick's Day, but don't hold your breath. So yes, we're uh, we're kicking off a new year here. New year, same old idiots, and we're finally getting around to the other side of the coin toss. Caveman from 1981, Woo-hoo! our uh, follow up to our super futuristic Star Trek V episode. Now we're going back into before even either of us were born, a zillion years. <laughs> B.C., <laughs> One apparently. One zillion B.C. Yeah. Now, I had not seen this movie before, and I imagine you hadn't either. I, I know. I never have. Because and, and, if, and I'm I think sorry if, I hadn't. I
1: missed out.
0: Yeah. I think <laughs> if you had, you wouldn't have recommended it. But I don't know. We'll get into that. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Now, this is kind of, in a lot of ways, I think, going to be a little bit of a throwback to, like, our pilot episode that Cody and I did where... We didn't dig into Con Air so much as far as production information. We just knew names and some figures and that sort of thing and mostly talked about the movie itself because I had a hell of a time finding any background information on this movie and I was asking you for help because I know you had all these Beatles books and surely one of them has to be about Ringo and talk about Ringo Starr and all his movies and whatnot and... You brought Not the nerd so to the
1: table with head. Thought, thought I'd be able to help out here a little bit with Ringo. No, I couldn't help you out as much on this one.
0: I still brought the nerd. It's just that <laughs> the nerd didn't have a book that covered this. I,
1: well, I ha- it's funny because I have this entire book dedicated to the, the films of the Beatles, and each guy gets his own set of, you know, little chapter of all the stuff that they've done. Ringo gets two pages, and in those two pages, one little paragraph dedicated to Caveman that just glasses over oh yeah it was like his favorite thing and he he thought it was great and he met his wife barbara they got married blah 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 and that was it
0: i can say i can think of two reasons why this would be his favorite movie but we'll get to that <laughs> coming up here <laughs> yes ringo star aka the luckiest man on the planet earth the guy who <laughs> when uh it came time for the Beatles to fire their drummer, when they're getting ready to make their first album. Ringo was on speed dial before they had speed dial and was like, "Hey, do you want to join this band that's going to become the most famous band on the planet Earth?" <laughs> yeah, okay, I'm not doing anything else. Right. Sir Richard Starkey. Sir Richard Starkey, that's yes. right.
1: And so what what do you do as a follow-up to being the drummer in the in the biggest band on the planet?
0: I don't know, go on a solo career and make music with like everybody else that was in that band?
1: Oh because he did that. I was trying I was trying to segue into talking about the movie.
0: Well, segue into talking about the movie. Go for it. You didn't <laughs> dig up any more background info? <laughs> well,
1: no, See, we're really here right. because
0: some fool at some point told Ringo Starr that he could act. And it comes from the Beatles first movie, A Hard Day's Night, where he gets his nice little sequence on his own for, I don't know, a good 10 minutes or so of that movie, right. where it's just him and this kid running around and People were like, oh, Ringo seems like a nice, likable lad. He can yeah. he can act. He can hold his own a bit. He was, he was mostly being himself in that movie, though. Well, sure. But they saw something there and were sure. like, yeah, we'll give him a chance. And so in the later 60s, he ends up being in a couple movies while the band is still together. I mean, John Lennon was, too. He did some side projects. Right, and right. That sort of thing. But of all four of them, he seemed to be the one who sort of gravitated towards continuing to get movie parts. Yeah. And I can't find any information about why <laughs> other than name recognition. I don't think I've seen any movies outside of stuff he did with the Beatles that he's been in. So this is a mystery to me. We're just going to be kind of at a loss. So I guess we'll mostly just talk about the uh, the movie in question today because <laughs> I've got like no background. I can't find anything about why this movie was made, who thought it would be a good idea for Ringo Starr to be in it, why Ringo Starr thought it would be a good idea to be in it or anything. I can find nothing.
1: Yeah, he did a handful of things, but but they weren't anything major, and I, I doubt anybody outside of a, a a huge Beatles fan is gonna recognize or or know some of the stuff that he worked on.
0: Yeah, I could tell you the names of the movies, a couple right. of them. Yeah, but... I haven't,
1: I I definitely haven't seen any others. Yeah, other than wait he did, give my regards to Broad Street with Paul that came after this. But yeah, even myself as as a big fan, here forty years after, this is the first time I'd actually sat down and watched this. Yeah, I can. I can. And it's probably that. the biggest, most recognizable thing that he that he did, as far as your pop culture things go.
0: I would think so. Yeah, the other ones seem, at least from descriptions, like the Magic Christian with Peter Sellers and Candy and some of the other stuff he was doing. They seem kind of like, I don't know, experimental films. Isn't the right word? Maybe like art house films or yeah, something. Right. Like not really set up to be huge blockbuster movies. I don't know. I'm grasping at straws on this one. So. <laughs> I suppose we should just get into the movie. No, because no big
1: expectations going into it. We get a blank slate to work with. It's it's Ringo and some some other guys that, that became big stars at the at the top of their careers.
0: I can give you some names and figures, but I don't have a story for this one. Sure. So sorry. I just you know I know it was directed by Carl Gottlieb, who was the co-screenwriter of Jaws and Jaws Two mm-hmm. and The Jerk and Jaws Three D. Which also has Dennis also Quaid in Dennis it. There Cray, we go. Yeah. We, got, uh, we got a tie-in. We got our six degrees of Kevin Bacon kind of thing. I, I don't know. It came out in 1981, which is the same year as another caveman movie, Quest for Fire. This came out in April. Quest for Fire came out in December. And it's also the same year of Mel Brooks' History of the World Part 1, which had a caveman sequence in the beginning for, I don't know, maybe the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie, mm-hmm. which we'll kind of bounce back to that a little bit in comparing these. But I don't know. I, I don't know who thought this was a great idea. Or it, Well,
1: the, the 1970s into the the very early 1980s was a very different landscape film-wise. Like, until Jaws came along, and then later Star Wars, there wasn't this idea of a blockbuster or the major, you know, movie industry that, that we know today didn't come along until then. So I think this was a lot, a lot more common to see these kinds of movies, and... I think this slapstick sort of weird comedy that this movie ended up being is a lot more in line with something like Cannonball Run or something dumb like that. But it's cavemen. so <laughs> so, I, so it's I its guess. own little weird thing that, that there's there's no niche for it. There's no subgenre that this fits into well that you could align it with because it's so weird off on its own. But it but it's it's like not quite Monty Python humor. Not quite that sort of cannonball run, smoking the bandit humor, but it, but it's in that sort of same time era where the humor comes across kind of the same way. So it, it, I thought it kind of fit for its time when you look at it from that perspective. What the hell are
0: you talking about? Let's, uh, let's get into the movie here and we'll see how it progresses as we unspool this thing. We kick off the movie uh, with a bunch of cavemen out scrounging around for food. They're looking for fruit. They aren't hunting so much as gathering.
1: But wait, 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 before we get too far, we don't want to gloss over. The the movie starts off, it's October 9th. Specifically, it's one zillion B.C. on October 9th. So in early 81, when they were working on this, this would have been right after John Lennon was assassinated. So the little call back to John's birthday there, specifically, is I think the call out on the date there.
0: It's not only... John's birthday, isn't it? Sean's birthday. Sean's birthday as well, yeah, right. Yeah.
1: So you get like a double whammy. Yeah. But I believe I believe that was a fun homage to Jean kinda come there at the uh, backside of that. Well, I suppose that makes sense
0: more as an homage rather than a joke, because if I thought if they were going for a joke like, haha, uh-huh, look, we know the specific date, even right. though it's a zillion BC, I was going to be like, I, yeah I, I, I think take that's, back, the,
1: that's the, the the specific reason why that particular date
0: I was going to say that I take back what I said about star dates last time because <laughs> this would be dumber, but if, if it's an homage, I guess it that'll fly That's okay. what I took it as anyway. Oh, I sure. assumed so yeah, we got these cavemen that are out hunting for fruit. And this is actually shot in Mexico. The whole thing was shot in Mexico. Yeah, right. The stuff in the studio that we'll get to later is shot in Mexico. This is a national park in Mexico. And in the credits come up. One name I found of note was uh, the director of photography is Alan Hume. It's not a cool-as-eye situation because this guy was pretty well established. <laughs> was also director of photography on Return of the Jedi and three Bond movies. For Your Eyes Only, Octopussy, and View to a Kill. Aha. So... He had done lots of movies before this. It wasn't like his first rodeo or something like that. But after this, he went on to do some really, really big movies. Although there isn't anything much standing out in this that would lead you to think, man, this guy is incredibly talented. Right. He was definitely a big name guy. So then we meet our hero, Ringo, kind of wandering around. He's a sad sack who can't manage to get any food. And he gets terrorized by a giant caveman who's played by John Matuszek. A.K.A. Sloth from the Goonies.
1: Oh, okay. I, I, I didn't catch the name to to make that crossword. Yeah, no, he's I, uh, yeah. yeah, that's Sloth. Because I might like look at him. I, like I knew him from somewhere else, and even underneath all the the makeup there, I I didn't I didn't catch the. Uh... Well, how would you recognize him? Well, as sure. Sloth compared to this. Right, right, right. <laughs> that's why I didn't catch it. But even in this looking at him, like I think I've seen him. Something. Else oh, he's been in,
0: he's been in several movies. He was uh, defensive end for the Oakland Raiders and was actually. Oh yeah, yeah. He was still in the league at the time the movie was being made. Gotcha. Um, he actually retired. I think the last year he played was 1981, and he was on injured reserve all year in 1982 and retired. But this would have been 1980, so yeah, he retired. Uh, I think they were in the Super Bowl the year he retired, ah. or the last year he played.
1: So he's playing Tonda.
0: Yes. I just call him Sloth because I figure it's easier. I don't know. Uh, so, yeah. So, Ringo can't get any food. He wanders away and is attacked by a Venus flytrap-looking plant, which gives him a kiss before he breaks free from it. Uh,
1: Audrey II's ancestor wanted more than to uh, be fed.
0: I guess. it's
1: Feed me, Ringo.
0: Yeah. And, and then a giant lizard monster chases him, and he runs back to the others and hijinks ensue.
1: Matcha. Yeah. Watcha. Um So we should call out here a little bit. So for the folks that haven't seen this movie, the interesting thing to call out is that there's no dialogue to speak of. Apparently, when this was released in the theaters, there was like a vocabulary sheet that they handed out to the audience that said, here's all the caveman words that you need to know and kind of loosely what they mean that I kind of had in my cheat sheet that I'd found online as I watched this. And so it was like, oh, okay. It makes it a little bit easier to pick up on stuff that's a little bit not so obvious that you kind of catch it in context. But yeah, there, there's no real dialogue. So that when this the dinosaur shows up and comes running back, they're they're yelling about the matcha, the monster that's showing up. And so you hear all these just single words getting blurted out. So it's, it's caveman authentic.
0: Yeah, that's the one historically accurate thing that they do in this movie <laughs> is that nobody speaks English. But now, if you don't have that list, you got to figure out what they're saying. Exactly. Through grunting and pantomime, which is already like, (laughs) oh, for fuck's sake. And yeah, like you said, there was the pamphlet they handed out when this first hit theaters with the caveman words. So it's like, oh, great. Now you're giving me a fucking homework assignment. i got to try and read this shit while the movie is playing to figure out what the hell you're saying. That's (laughs) brilliant. Jesus Christ. (sighs) It's subtitles on paper. Yeah, I guess. No, I. <laughs> I'm trying to think of if it would be better to have had subtitles, and I guess it's better to not have them. But it's not like they give you the list now,
1: right? Sure, so, yeah. So watching it without that it leaves a little bit. So I, I had that benefit watching this because I found it I was like, oh yeah, here I'll keep this handy. Yeah. So yes, yeah, so a giant lizard chases Ringo. He runs
0: back to the others. Hijinks ensue. The monster looks cool because I like stop motion. Yeah. I always get a kick out of stop motion animation. But the action and the way the monster looks, thats it's very cartoony. This movie seems to want to be a live action Looney Tunes. I was thinking throughout this whole thing at several points, it's like, dude, if this was all animated, mm-hmm. it would be a Looney Tunes cartoon.
1: I made the note later on with one of the other monsters that shows up. But since we're talking about it here, I'll go ahead and I'll call it out. I really actually thought like the the claymation special effects that they used for the dinosaurs was for the time really well done. This is like Clash of the Titans level oh, yeah. Yeah. stuff that they did here. It was it, in context for 1981. It was really, really well done. You yeah. look back on it now with everything we have with CG and it, and it's corny. But at the time it was like cutting edge, like, oh, wow, look at the dinosaur. It's good stuff. I wouldn't say it's cutting edge. It's actually, it's very old
0: technology. I mean, you can go back to stuff like Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, uh, the Sinbad movies and stuff from like the fifties and sixties. And they're using the, the stop motion animation, but I still think it looks cool just because I, I don't know. I just always get a kick out of that. Yeah, Yeah. In fact, I'd almost rather see the entire movie just be like stop motion animated monsters doing their things. And, Forget the humans unless they're just eating one of them once in a while or something. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, if they—if this was like a straight 2D animated cartoon. Oh, sure. I, I think, think a lot of this stuff would have it would have played out the same because right. it's what it feels like. You know, you get the, the goofy action stuff. I don't know. It just seems very, very silly. So then we meet a, a very young Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Who tries to fight the monster and gets hurt. And the monster runs off taking one of the cavemen for food. You get some lunch, yeah. And Ringo tries to help Dennis Quaid, uh, but the others make him stay behind because he's hurt. Dennis Quaid is play, uh, plays the role of Lar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just calling him Dennis Quaid. I, these names are goofy. He had
1: puka. He had pain. He was broken. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: And I, I'm going to confess, I, I laughed at this movie. <laughs> so here's this first bit of, like, establishing the, the slapstick nature of this movie as Ringo's like goes running back for his hurt friend so, first of all, his legs are all, like, twisted and tangled, and he's just standing there with his legs wrapped around each other. So, Ringo helps him get free, and then he's hopping on one leg, and there's this whole, your right leg's busted up. Hop on your left leg. So, Ringo kind of, like, starts to hop on one leg to kind of show him the way, and Dennis Quay's like, oh, yeah, okay, I-, I see what you're doing. And he starts to hop on the bad leg and falls down. So, very, very early, the the movie's letting you know what you're in for, and it's setting the bar pretty low. Yeah. But I liked it. I laughed. <laughs> Are you stupid or something? So the cavemen
0: <laughs> the cavemen go home empty-handed, <clears throat> and when they get there, Ringo appears to be the only one that doesn't have a woman. They all come out to greet the
1: men, and they're just like, nah, we don't have any food. Because Ringo screwed it up. He brought that monster back and, and ruined the hunt. They couldn't forage the food. It's I guess, but, fault.
0: but every time they found food, they were eating it themselves anyway, so I don't know what they were... <laughs> planning on bringing back at all and then barbara bach happens (laughs) tits (laughs) she is dressed the skimpiest of all the cave women i mean i'm not complaining she's like the only one that has cleavage right
1: (laughs) which is the wise choice (laughs) And, and there are plenty of in jokes in the movie making reference to them oh yeah yeah there's quite a few so the other cavemen blame
0: ringo for the monster attacking them I think it's kind of hard to tell because everything was all pantomime, but it seems to like that they are angry at him for bringing the monster, which I guess he was wandering off from the group. So yeah, the the, the, I, the one, one guy kind of gives
1: a gives a recap of what happened, telling about all the action. Dinosaur chased them all up the tree. The tree falls over. Guys get hurt, and then they all say, "They look at took. Yeah, it's so his that, fault,
0: bastard." Do you kiss your mother with that mouth?
1: We're getting all these
0: a lot of pantomime and oral recap. We never see at any point, any of them doing cave paintings. I don't think. No, no, I didn't catch anything like that. That's like a standard caveman trope. How come we never got any of them actually drawing the dinosaurs and stuff, chasing them. I was wondering about that.
1: They draw on the dirt at one point.
0: They do. They do some stick figures in the dirt. They do some stick figures, but not cave paintings. (laughs) So Ringo breaks into his food stash and gives it to Barbara. Who immediately gives it to Sloth. So Ringo is the first simp in history. There is one caveat about that. There is nothing mediocre about Barbara Bach in this movie. Hot stuff. Good golly, Miss Molly. And a
1: lizard monster howls like a wolf at the moon. Which I didn't really appreciate it the first time it happens. I'll, I'll we'll reserve commentary for, for rule three as it comes back around. Yeah, it, it went by the first time, and I was kind of like, okay, but then I but then I was like, I, I got I kind of dug the uh, the little sun up sun down animation that that kind of goes with the, the day change there. It makes this fun little Monty Python: all oh, the sun goes down, moon comes up.
0: Yeah, <laughs> rule of threes. We'll get to that. So yes, yeah, so the next day the cavemen find a plant that looks like weed. It has red berries that make Ringo fall asleep when he eats one he looks stoned AF and there was a weird shot where he is stealing some of the berries and at first I would, thought he was grabbing his junk or something it's very he's like reaching down he's got a pouch or something that he puts right, that some he of puts them in, berries and but... I thought he was grabbing his dick I'm like what in the hell is going on I had to rewatch it and saw that, like oh okay he's you he can barely see the berries in his hand when right. he's doing that It's like, okay, you want to hide it from the other cavemen, don't hide it from the audience. We need to know what's going on. It's weird. So then back at the cave, Ringo loads some of these berries into a piece of fruit and gives it to Sloth and Barbara.
1: They both eat it and fall asleep. He's basically the prehistoric, he's he's slipping the first Mickey.
0: Yeah, the the roofie has just been invented. (laughs) And a a young Bill Cosby takes notes. So yeah, now for some reason Bolero plays as Ringo makes his move. <laughs> yeah, hijinks ensue, but he is unsuccessful, and to me this was just painfully bad. Uh I don't know. It's like, okay, how do I how do I take this woman while she's passed out? But it's just awkward and weird and there's fart jokes and this I don't know, I'm just not digging the whole
1: slapsticky. No, Think, no. Um, Did you? Are you still like all in? Th- well, this this particular bit <laughs> <laughs> didn't like. I mean, it was. I got to chuckle, but it wasn't hysterically funny. But, yeah. but I mean, again, it's 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 matching the tone that we've set here. Yeah, it just seemed to drag on.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so now this time, a lizard monster crows like a rooster yeah, at sunrise, and
1: that and that was the point that I caught it. That like the first time, you just kind of was a it was a wolf sound. Okay, all right. Now. Oh, oh! It's a, it's a rooster now. Oh, that's awesome! It's and it's it's a big lizard. It's a okay. That's cool. I Prob- see what they did there. It's that's probably fun. the same lizard. That's funny.
0: So now at sunrise, it's Ringo's turn to almost get raped. <laughs> are, you, are we laughing yet? Uh, it was a different time. I I know. But even then, it's just kind of like, oh Jesus, a zillion years ago. Yeah. So sloth kicks Ringo out of the cave, and Ringo runs away. Uh, well, I, th-
1: I feel like they were, they kind of threw him out of the tribe at this point. This I, was like the, been the final straw, and yeah, and he's been he's been outcast.
0: So he runs off and finds Dennis Quaid, and they like slow mo run I into each it. other. Yeah, it's
1: like what is this? They're running towards each other, and it's like oh, Lar Atuq, Lar took.
0: Yeah, and when they <laughs> smash into each other, they accidentally correct their posture <laughs> and crack their backs, and now they can walk upright.
1: And Dennis Quaid can walk. His legs fixed, because like initially in that slow motion sequence, he's still hopping on one leg, and then they get there and, and that happens, and now suddenly they're like both kind of prant, you know, prancing around a little bit, like, oh hey, check this out, I got this new walking stand up, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm wondering if he's
0: not so bright, and maybe he just kept hopping on his leg because he thought that's how he had to walk. Now, <laughs> I don't
1: know. But clearly, this is how it happened. This is how man came to stand upright. Yeah, it was an accident, one of many historically. Was this uh? Was this the time where they first kind of
0: used the almost 2001 music? No, I didn't catch it then. Oh, okay. I didn't catch it this part. I'm trying to remember. There's, there's a couple parts where they play like what almost sounds like the 2001 music. Yeah, when yeah, I noted that later like when, it. when it comes along. So as the two of them settle down for a nap, a giant bug lands on Dennis Quaid's face.
1: <laughs> Ringo squishes it. It kind of almost looked a little bit like a face hugger from Alien when it first landed and was sitting there on his face. You kind of see these legs wrapped around the side of his face. I'm like, oh, well, okay.
0: I was looking for strings. I didn't see them. So I don't know if it was like a remote control thing, if it could actually...
1: Yeah, move how, they, how or, they made it work. Or what.
0: But so Ringo squishes it and Gunk gets all over Dennis Quaid's yeah, face. Yeah, bug guts all yeah. over
1: him. That was gross.
0: <laughs> that was gross.
1: <laughs> and he just casually rolls over. Say you goodnight.
0: <laughs> yeah. You're welcome, I guess. Okay, so the next day, the two of them watch Shelley Long and her blind father. Tala and Gog. The, the old man walks into a tar pit, and Dennis Quaid helps him out. And all I could think of is, I hope the actors are getting well-paid for all the crap they're getting all over him in this movie, because <laughs> that guy is covered head to toe in whatever this is. It's yucky looking.
1: And apparently, Gog is blind. That comes into play repeatedly. Uh, as, as a trope throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah, and, on and his, he's one of like those guys,
0: he's like one of those Mr. Magoo guys, like you leave him alone for half a second, he's going to walk into something. Right. Like you just pulled him out of a tar pit and he's about to step right back into it again because
1: he's blind. And apparently deaf because people keep trying to talk to him and get his attention and say, hey, stop, don't do that. And he ignores them and just continues to do the thing and then shenanigans and I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, so after they take a bath... The other three have somehow lost the blind man. And he walks around literally like Mr. Magoo. He's waving his <laughs> stick around uh, until he bumps into a fat T Rex. the chubbiest T Rex I've ever seen. He's a chunky boy, as the kids say these days. Chunky. I mean, I know that dinosaurs died off almost 65 million years before Neanderthals were a thing, but I. How do you know? I guess I'm not expecting any historical. Were you accuracy. there? No, I wasn't there, but that's what they've been saying for a long time. Humans and dinosaurs did not coexist. How could you know that? So you're saying Caveman got it right. We don't the, the know. Only, that's the only movie that got it right. It's a
1: hypothesis. Are you stupid or something?
0: Um, that's the thing, though, with a Caveman movie. I mean, I guess there isn't enough to make a movie about if you don't throw in dinosaurs. I mean, we don't. What was going on in caveman times?
1: Right.
0: <laughs> like I say, who was there? Who who the hell knows? Let's throw in some dinosaurs and make it zany. But I think it really adds to the cartoonishness of everything, especially when you got a big
1: fat T Rex. Right. Again, playing with the claymation, the, Yes. the stop motion yeah. stuff. That when was Clash of the Titans done? I was done in 80, 81, right? I think eighty one. time, yeah. yeah. And then Land of the Lost would have been. Well, it was more puppets, I guess, than stop motion stuff. Some some of that, but. Land of the Lost on TV was doing the same thing. That would have
0: been in the 70s sometime. Yeah. Yeah, so uh the T-Rex chases them until Ringo accidentally stabs it with a tree. And for some reason when he stabs it, it makes the T-Rex burp. <laughs> and it goes away. And I'm jealous of it because I want to go away.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but now Ringo's all full of himself that he oh, he fought off this dinosaur. He's ready to he's ready to go uh, you know, take on the world now. He's he's feeling kind of big and mighty.
0: That's right. Not only that, but Shelley Long is quite impressed yeah. by, by Ringo's courage. She's smitten, but he turns her down. He doesn't want anything to do. He wants to he wants to do to Sloth what he just did to the monster. That's right. You know, stab him with a tree. Ringo returns back to his home cave with the others and tries to hit on Barbara, but Sloth returns with the other cavemen and a giant haunch of meat. So Ringo sneaks out of the cave with his friends before Sloth can find him, because he can't compete with that. And this time, the lizard monster makes owl noises at the moon. Y- you get it? It was funny. You get it? I liked it. It's, it's making all the different noises, because lizards, you know, don't make noises like that. Right. Normally. Right. All right. I thought it
1: was funny. <laughs> Are you stupid or something?
0: All right, so this time, as the cavemen are sleeping, Ringo and Dennis try to steal Barbara away from Sloth, and I don't know, this is like some serious, it's serious, this is cartoon shit. This would work better as like five-minute skits on SNL or something, I think, than a 90-minute movie. Really? I think it's, the format is better suited for little bits and pieces and hijinks and stuff instead of combining them all together. I don't know, I'm just, it's just not that funny to me, even in the short form, it's just kind of like, eh, all right. (laughs) Now you're gonna do this, and now everybody's clumsy, and now, and now he's moving his arm over, and he's getting in the way. So now you got to move his arm back, and then you got to try and, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so Ringo and his friends meet a new group of cavemen when they're out and about.
1: Yeah, I, I, I kind of, I didn't follow it quite entirely how this played out. So after they, they go to kidnap Lana, and and it doesn't work. They go back to where they've been staying. And suddenly there's this other dude that's kind of there. Yeah. And when they chase him down, they they kind of coax him out. And it's like, oh, hey, we're friends. Come on come on out. Come on out. And then when he comes out from hiding, there's like this clown car of other cavemen that kind of like fall out from this little tiny hutch that he's been holed up in. And yeah. then this, like the whole group of like 20 people just like suddenly appear. Well, where did these guys all come from? It's like a from? whole
0: other tribe. Yeah. Out of nowhere. And then suddenly the monster from the beginning reappears. Now, is this supposed to be the same wizard that's been howling at the moon and crowing like a rooster? It looks similar. Yeah, you
1: you only see it in uh, shadow, so I don't know if it was intended to be the same one or not. So Ringo throws a white pumpkin at it,
0: which turns orange when it lands on the monster's horn. For fuck's
1: sake, guys. <laughs> oh, Really? Okay. Do you really expect the first unit, you know, the primary director to actually be giving contextual details to the the second unit guys that are responsible for doing all the special effects and putting together the animation? How are you supposed to expect those little details to come together? Come on.
0: That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works.
1: I mean, all he has to say is, it's a pumpkin.
0: Oh, okay. I know what Pum- color pumpkins, pumpkins are. Orange. are and they're orange. So they made it orange. So... Why the fuck are you throwing a white pumpkin? (laughs) You're a stupid dumbass. Jesus H. Christ. All right. So it's a prop problem. I I don't know. Blame the property department. It's something. There's fucking Mexican. (laughs) What's this? It's It's a a, Mexican pumpkin. It's a pumpkin. (laughs) But it's it's white. Don't be racist. Just use it. (laughs) But this actually works because the monster can't focus on the cavemen because the pumpkin is on its horn making it go cross-eyed or something. So it just gives up and leaves. And then a giant thunderstorm comes in, and they all take shelter in a huge tree, which you're really not supposed to do. And a lightning bolt hits the tree. That's why you're not supposed to hide in a giant tree. Sure, sure. And sets part of it on fire. So now even more cavemen come out of the woods.
1: So this tribe is, like, growing out of there. And now all of a sudden we have one of them who actually can speak English. I thought that was hysterical. The Asian guy. Yes. And with all of the cavemen is the one in the group who actually knows English words. And he's trying to talk to them. And like, no, 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 no. It's this. Well, I think friend. He comes... No, no, no. Bobo. Friend. Bobo. I think, All right, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he comes in handy
0: because if you don't have your little guide, this guy is now giving it to you. Yeah. He's like the Rosetta Stone half hour into the movie or something like that, where if you weren't really somehow weren't able to figure out what was going on he's very helpfully right. telling you these few words you've been hearing
1: and the, and the actor is evan kim who yes. I, again i recognized him but i couldn't place him in other movies right off the top of my head but i know i've seen him in other the
0: one th- i know for sure he was in was uh the last dirty harry movie the, the dead oh, okay yeah, yeah, in yeah. like 1988 or 89 he was Clint Eastwood's partner in that movie okay um but that's the only other thing i know of him from i'm sure he's been in tons of other stuff it's just that's the only thing i think i've seen with him in it so now they've got fire and they figure out how to use the fire to cook like a giant chicken-looking
1: thing. Haraka. Right? This is where the the spoof on the 2001 theme really played up for me is they come out of the tree so that the lightning has hit the tree, the tree's mm-hmm. on fire, big branch falls off, so now there's this flaming branch on the ground and they all walk out in amazement at, oh, what is this? And and Ringo declares it to be Hakra is, is the fire. So there, there's this little back and forth Fire, hakra, oh, okay, <laughs> whatever. And and then the two thousand one spoof music plays, and I, I laughed. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? <laughs> They're evolving quickly because they figure
0: out how to use fire to cook the chicken and figure out how to make music in the same night. I,
1: again, by accident. So, and and this is the thing that kind of keeps coming up with with all of these these moments throughout history where oh man, man learns to walk upright. Oh, man discovers fire. Everything is a complete, utter accident where Ringo just happens to be in the right place at the right time. And like, oh, here, I've got this. I've got this chicken here. Help me break it. Oh, we're, we're holding it over the fire. The fire accidentally cooks the chicken. And now they've learned we can cook this meat. Oh, it's pretty yummy. It's pretty tasty. Yeah, it's a lot better than getting salmon. So every all these advancements that suddenly start to take place that we see for the first time in history mankind has discovered fire man has cooked meat
0: who gives a shit who gives a fuck
1: Oops, yeah. it was it was an accident yeah. and, and, and well, it was funny
0: and uh, and then we get a very long singing sequence
1: i i swear to you as i watched this i could not help but think poor john williams stole this for the end of return of the jedi really Go back and listen to this again when you go to edit the stuff. And I think if you put, if you think about the, the yub-yubs and everything at the end of Return of the Jedi, all the, the tribal music still playing and the, the little melodies and stuff that are going on here, I heard what John Williams used in Return of the Jedi.
0: You're a stupid dumbass.
1: I, I think he made a little callback here and a little homage to uh, uh, Lalo Schif- Schifrin.
0: Lalo Schifrin, yeah.
1: Is the... Uh, he did, the music for,
0: uh, he did the music for Enter the Dragon as well. He, he, as wrote, he wrote the
1: Mission Impossible theme. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he, and he yeah. did some Dirty Harry
0: stuff. So the yeah, other, some... The first Dirty Harry movie was his, yeah, yeah, at least. He's been around quite a bit, but I don't know. I would have to listen to that because all I'm listening to it. I'm just thinking, how long is this going on? <laughs> well, you guys are spending a lot of time on this.
1: It's a Beatle movie. There's got to be music in a Beatle movie, right? Ringo's jamming. It makes sense, right? No, it
0: doesn't. No? I just I was just like can can we get get on with it here? I mean the movie is like 92 minutes long and it it felt longer. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just it, it just felt too long. <laughs> so the next morning, Ringo gets up to take a leak and the chunky T-Rex shows up again. This time Ringo gets the T-Rex to chase him onto the fire where it gives itself a hot foot
1: and runs away again. Ringo's turning out to be quite the uh Quite the uh, uh
0: I, I don't know.
1: He, he's taking on all the wildlife and he's winning. He's taking on these dinosaurs he's, and showing them who's boss. He's outsmarting them, he's getting Dabbing them with big sticks and out tricking them into the, into the fire. He's turning out to be a, a, a pretty solid leader for this tribe.
0: Yeah, the misfits. <laughs> so now Ringo leads them on a search for food. They want to eat the Asian's pet lizard. But it turns out that it's a a hunting lizard, I guess, because it can point the way to food. Yeah. And the group finds a giant egg. And then they march it back with the uh, Colonel Bogey March playing for some reason. Well, why not? I I don't know. Uh, So meanwhile, Sloth and his group sneak up on them. But it it seems like originally they didn't see them and they were just trying to get the egg.
1: Well, yeah, because the Ringo's tribe was all over on the one side where you couldn't see them. So it wasn't until they were right on top of the egg and started to walk around it that, oh, here, these these other guys are here.
0: Yeah, and then they start chasing each other around the egg like Looney
1: Tunes style for a long time. Even to the point that Ringo and Dennis Quaid and those guys all peel off, and the other group continues to go around the egg after they're gone. Yeah, and then they
0: split in half and then run into each other and almost get (laughs) in a fight. It's like, oh, guys, come on. It's
1: classic stuff.
0: (sighs) Classic comedy here. So anyhow Sloth and his gang steal the egg and they run off in high speed fashion. They shoot it at like <laughs> 16 frames a second, play it back at 20, whatever they do to make it look faster. And they have to stop because they can't get the egg up the hill. It's the momentum thing. They go down and right. part way up and then back and part way up again and then back. It's like, "We get it. Okay. <laughs> get on with it." Then a pterodactyl appears, probably looking for its egg. And the pterodactyl's another really cool stop motion thing. Yeah.
1: So like that... I said, the Clash of the Titans is good, man. I thought it I thought it was really well done. Oh I yeah,
0: no, I had no problem. The stop motion for me is the best part of the movie. It was it's neat. I always get a kick out of stop motion stuff. So then the pterodactyl chases the cavemen and they drop the egg, which lands into a geyser. <laughs> broken. It's broken when it falls, it lands into a geyser and it's basically frying it cooked the in egg. the geyser, yes. Again, accidentally, we've learned how to cook an egg now. I suppose. Uh,
1: Yeah, hey, mankind's
0: got to learn somehow. Yeah, Ringo and his group show up to eat the egg and run off with
1: big strips of it. Yummy egg drop soup
0: now. So here we go. Now Sloth and his posse... Yes, I said posse. Come at me, LeBron. (laughs) Sloth and his posse attack, but are driven away because now Ringo's group has flaming sticks. Yes. And we get a bunch of... Well, one really extended flaming fart joke.
1: <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I laughed. I was in tears. It was just so dumb, but it was yeah, funny. It's... It was just one of the, it, it, and that's the thing about this movie. It, it is. It's so dumb, but it's that it's that funny dumb that you can't help but laugh. I I laughed. All right. It was. I I thought it was funny. <laughs> I I thought the movie was. I I guess. Was going to be worse than it was. I, I think I went in with, like, such low expectations that I was pleasantly surprised. And it, it made me chuckle. I thought this was one of those moments that it was just like, dude's, dudes on fire and he's just jumping. And as he runs away, <laughs> he farts and the flames fly out. And I just, it was that adolescent dumb humor. And I just, I giggled.
0: Pre-adolescent, but yeah, sure. <laughs> why not? <laughs> However, in the fracas, several of Sloth's group end up with flaming sticks. And it turns out that there's so many of them gone that now the fire has gone out. Oh no! And Ringo's group is in trouble, so they go back to the cave because that group had all the flaming sticks. And for some reason along the way, they find a big pile of poop. And the one who speaks English speaks for me. He looks at it and <laughs> says, Shit. Kaka. <Caca>. No, shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, guy. So Sloth comes back with a fire and also fixes that group's posture as well but i don't know how he knew how to do that but okay i mean if i'm looking for things to make sense this is probably not the place that i should be looking (laughs) at this point
1: i guess i didn't think about that i i kind of took for granted that he saw the other tribe was all standing upright. Well, sure. And but, so now he's he's taken that and what he's learned and brought it back. But yeah, no, I guess a good, good point that he didn't really see yeah, how I, they were standing nah. upright to know how to make it happen.
0: But they figure out how to do it so they can do more comedy with them trying to figure out how to straighten his back because he's the biggest guy. So yeah. nobody can just pick him up and crunch his back. Right, right. So they've all got to jump on top of him or something in a big pile on and that apparently works. So now the chunky T Rex somehow sneaks up on Ringo's group. This is a very, very big animal. <laughs> How it's able to just sneak up on somebody, I don't know.
1: And, and, and again, I just, I, I enjoyed it more than I probably should have. That you see this big T Rex sneaking up behind the rest of the group. It's really a funny
0: looking animal. The, the design of it is funny because it is such a fat fuck. But it is silly looking. I'll give you that. It's, it's amusing. <laughs> So this time, Ringo gets a branch with a whole bunch of the magical red berries in it and shoves it into (laughs) the dinosaur's mouth.
1: Gets a T-Rex stone. Yep,
0: it gets stoned and falls (laughs) off a cliff. And I thought they were going to kill it for a second when it fell off the cliff, but no, it's just laying there, like, (laughs) baked out of its mind.
1: Far out,
0: man. This is very definitely a stoner movie.
1: (laughs) Oh, far out, man.
0: Uh, So Ringo's gang returns to the cave. They steal the fire and all the other people's food as well. So, That'll teach them. Yeah, where is everyone? And also, at this point, guys, I hate to break it to you, but putting the fire out only guarantees that they are going to come after you to get the fire back. <laughs> That's all you're doing. That's stupid, <clears throat> even for a caveman. I know it's a. Way
1: don't of, understand cause and effect at this point. I get it's a way of giving to them have the fire finger. in the first place.
0: Yeah, I, I know it's their way of saying "fuck you," but. All you're doing is making sure they're gonna come back and try and get your shit again. That's all you're doing. Just leave it, take what you need, and get out. So where did everybody go? They were all fishing, I guess. They're just dunking the women into <laughs> the water where they're catching fish.
1: They hadn't invented fishing
0: poles yet. No, That's the they, best hadn't. they could do. Why don't they just use like some birds or something, like in the Flintstones? Right? <laughs> it's a living. He does these impersonations. I swear you would think it was the real people. The others want to move on and sneak past them, but Ringo wants to stay and watch Barbara, and I can't say I blame him. Hey! So she gets swept away in the water and can't swim, and Ringo jumps in to save her. And Dennis Quaid then falls into the water, and Ringo isn't quite as eager to get him out. I don't blame him here either. <laughs> if I had to choose between the two, I think he chose wisely. So Dennis Quaid washes up on a nearby ice age. That's literally what they say. A
1: nearby, in a nearby ice, age. ice age. For some reason, do we do we pass up uh, that Tonda got crabs? I guess that's one way to look at it. <laughs> yeah. Somehow in this freshwater, as, he, as he's fishing, so Lana caught the fish and she uh, hands it off to him, but he he lets go of it and it falls loose and he falls looking for it and he ends up with this crab stuck on his face in a freshwater river. <laughs>
0: Okay. (laughs) Dennis Quaid washes up on a nearby ice age and... Proceeds to pee ice cubes. Yes. Because it's very cold, you see. He pees ice cubes. (laughs) And then... That's how cold it is. (laughs) (laughs) And then a yete arrives and is probably going to chase him.
1: We get some very ominous shots of this, this monster mm-hmm. who's getting ready to sneak up on him. Now, I didn't realize it, you know, of course, all the makeup and everything. Watching the credits later, the abominable snowman here is played by Richard Mull, who Bull. played Bull on Night Court. So th- I thought that was fun.
0: So now Ringo brings Barbara back to the group, and Shelley is very happy to see him, but fuck her, because everybody in the group is fawning <laughs> over Barbara Bach, as you do in 1981. Absolutely. So now... She
1: has the hots for Ringo, that is Barbara, but he gets a group together to go look for Dennis Quaid. Well, everybody kind of convinced him. He didn't really, he he was kind of dragged off kicking and screaming. He wanted to stay.
0: Well, sure. He was like, ah, whatever, he's gone. I couldn't do nothing about it. But then they all get a big group together to go look for Dennis, and then Shelley runs off, leaving her blind father behind, which, you know, this has never caused trouble before, so <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it'll, it'll be, be just fine, Yeah. Uh, so Ringo's group makes their way to the Ice Age, where they discover Dennis Quaid frozen in the ice.
1: And the Yeti!
0: I have no idea how this would have happened.
1: It was very cold.
0: It was, but the Yeti is also frozen in the ice.
1: <laughs> well, well, how do you find your cavemen, your Neanderthals, frozen in ice in all these movies? they got to get frozen somehow. Yeah, but why would the one that lives in the ice, the, the monster, also
0: be frozen? It, it was very, very cold.
1: Hmm. Ask uh, so, Brandon Frazier.
0: So while they're doing that, Shelley has run back to Sloth's cave where he is trying to pick out a new woman. And I'm telling you, ain't none of these skinny hoes replacing Barbara Bach. They ain't replacing them tits, I'll tell you that. So she basically tells Sloth that Barbara is still alive and they all follow her like the entire tribe goes out of the cave to go find her. So Ringo and his friends at this point break Dennis out of the ice, but they also manage to thaw out the Yeti as well because they have the fire. Uh, it chases them onto the ice and hijinks ensue. And after they all get away, the the yete appears to be very sad.
1: <laughs> he was misunderstood. Yeah, he, he wanted to play. He just wanted. He just wanted. He was a lonely, lonely, abominable snowman. He wanted friends, and they were afraid of him, and they ran off, and he was sad. Yeah. <laughs> so now Shelley leads sloth and
0: his gang to ringo's tree where they instantly cause trouble
1: and run off with all the women nice job oh, bitch that didn't go <laughs> as planned at all yeah you were just supposed to get rid of her you weren't supposed to kidnap the entire tribe you were supposed to take all the women yeah
0: let's see what jealousy gets you
1: you stupid fucking blabbermouth cunt
0: I don't know. I might have been suspicious when he brought the entire tribe. It's like, look, you, the one guy who wants this one woman. Here, you, everybody else doesn't need to go, but it's all right. So now Ringo gets back and finds out what happened. So they begin making weapons and march on Sloth's cave. They smoke him out and Sloth and his cavemen all come out in a big fight wait, ensues. Wait, 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 wait. I think this is a good time for a montage. All the weapons being <laughs> built, and all the strapping on of the armor—that's right, all that stuff—they were it's a all nice, getting ready. Nice
1: caveman montage showing how they've developed this new technology and put it all together. But it comes out of nowhere. I mean, they just decide to start smacking people with
0: axes and
1: well, sure, all that sort of thing. Necessity is the mother of invention. I, I suppose he, here in the moment, he he needed he needed a plan, needed a solution. This is what he came up with. And then they all they all went off on a montage and learned how to learned how to fight and, and forge their weapons and go, time for a showdown. Yeah. So <laughs> just like 2001, the tribe with the weapons has the edge in this fight. They're doing
0: pretty well for the most part. Then Ringo shows up riding the lizard monster.
1: Claymation Ringo!
0: Yeah, the Claymation Ringo looks a little rough. (laughs) The monster's fine, but when they try to do people, it never works out nearly as well. Although they do have a couple nice shots where he's blended like a Claymation lower half and the back screen projection of his upper half that that seems to blend along nice, but it's when the longer shots are in and it's Claymation Ringo is just not very well done. But the monsters look cool. He has a one-on-one showdown with Sloth and things go badly for him. Even Barbara comes up and kicks him. (laughs) Which makes Shelly come over and bitch slap her. Right. She gives him, she she gives her the fucking pimp hand big time. And Ringo wins the fight with the David and Goliath. That's right. He's got David the, the slingshot and takes him down and then jumps up and down on him for like five minutes, it seems. <laughs> Since he's won the fight, Ringo and Barbara now appear to be a couple as the Macho Man's entrance music plays. <laughs> But Ringo sees her for the gold digger that she is and drops her into a big pile of crap. That's right. I was trying to figure out as this movie went along if I could pinpoint the moment where they fell in love. <laughs> and I imagine that as soon as he dropped her into that big pile of crap, that was it. That, that was, was when, when the she sparks fell for him? That was when the sparks flew <laughs> between the two. Like, you know what? This is the woman I want to spend the rest of my life with, right there. That's got to be it. And in fact, they were married 10 days after the movie opened. It was that, oh, after it
1: opened, okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. They met during the filming, and the movie opened April 17th. They were married on April 27th, wow, 1981.
1: Yeah. I, knew it, I knew it was pretty quick after I realized yep. how, how fast that happened.
0: Yep. But uh, yeah, he has thrown Barbara into the crap. Ringo picks Shelly instead, and they lived happily ever after, which is exactly what it says. That's what it said. Yep. <laughs> You got anything else uh, before we go to the aftermath? <laughs> uh, no, no, that's about it. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So, yeah, the movie opens April 17th of 1981. Had a budget of between 4 and $5 million. And actually made about $16 million at the box office. It made a profit, so isn't it? it-
1: for some of the movies that we've talked about this was this was not a box office disappointment.
0: No, no, Turned it's apart. uh it's it's one of those where if you keep the budget low enough, yeah, you can uh, you can make a couple bucks on something. That's what Blumhouse has been doing with all their movies. It's like, yeah, we'll make a movie for $30 million and then when it turns around and makes 50 or 60, we're like, hey, look, we made money. We're good. Um it has a 5.8 on IMDb and a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes. I will point out that both of those scores are better than Star Trek 5. Are they really? (laughs) Yes. Star Trek V, I believe, was a 5.5 on IMDb and a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh,
1: wow. Well, no shit. I'm actually a little bit surprised it's that low, especially compared to some other stuff we've seen.
0: It was not very well received critically, but it didn't seem to matter. It was just a dumb stoner movie and kind of played its way through the summer of 1981 and made a few bucks and then has sort of just I don't know if forgotten about the right word. It's on Blu ray. It's not like it's impossible to find. It's just impossible to find any information about it. Yeah. So, Thornton Mellon, would you recommend Caveman?
1: I recommend you stop being such a faggot. I think I know what you're going to say. I I would actually. I would. I'm not going to, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought it was going to be horrible. I just went in with this expectation that it was going to be bad. And it's not that it was great, but but I enjoyed it more than I expected to. I laughed. I thought it was funny. But I think I appreciate that kind of humor and silliness a lot more than you do. So it was one of those that for me, just the slapstick and the and the goofiness was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is cool. I can get on board with this. I thought it was fun. It was dumb, but it was funny. So yeah, I, I liked it.
0: What do you give it out of 10?
1: I I give it like a five and a half, maybe a six. I like it. All right. I like dumb, but
0: I (laughs) like it to be quick hitting. It's like some of this stuff felt so dragged out. It's like, okay, I get, I get the joke. I don't need to see you trying to beat your way through the joke for five minutes at a time when something's going on in the screen. Like get
1: in get out it, it, it kind of belabored the point a little bit it hit yeah. you over the head with it more than you needed
0: yeah and i don't mind slapstick i mean obviously one of my favorite movies of all time is old man getting hit in the crotch with a football
1: <laughs> <coughs> ah, <my God. laughs>
0: but that's like quick it's like something happened ha 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 you don't just have to keep doing it over and over and over again it's like all right i i see what you're doing just and it's weird because it's this mix. It's a PG movie, but there's some stuff in there that I would say is definitely not for kids. Not, well, at mean, least not yeah, for again, young kids. In 81,
1: the, the rating system, as we've talked about previously, was really all over the place and not sure. incredibly... Like we talked about with the monkeys, you know, PG here for the monkeys, PG here for Caveman, PG for Jaws. Yeah. that. And I get that. <laughs> it another be another few years before anything came around to change that. And I understand that, but I mean, I don't know who else
0: this movie is really for. Right. Kids would laugh at it. I, apparently you would laugh at it. But right. other than that, I'm sitting there going, who is this This movie made for? It's like, it's so stupid that little kids would like it, but I don't want to see little kids trying to figure out what Ringo's trying to do to Barbara Bach <laughs> halfway through the movie.
1: I, I definitely didn't take it as a kid's movie for sure. I mean, yeah. It, but
0: I mean, there's all kinds of sex and drug jokes and everything like that. I don't know. I really liked the stop motion stuff. I thought that was cool. But that's about all I really liked with the movie. I would probably give this like a 2 out of 10. Garbage. It was painful. I don't... If I never watch it again, I will I will be perfectly okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will live whatever I have left of my life and be just all right.
1: Which would you rather sit down and watch, Caveman or Head? Because now we've got our tie-in, like that old Pizza Hut commercial with the monkeys and, and Ringo together. Now we've done both oh. on our show here. Damn! Now you're gonna make me
0: dig that up when I do the video. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh! Because you rated them both about the same, or about at a two. Uh, I think head was a three. He- oh, did you give head a three? I think head was yeah. a three. I don't know. Head was annoying to me because I I know that the people involved with it could have made something better. With this, I don't know how it could have been better. I don't know <laughs> what the point was. You wouldn't. When Mel Brooks did History of the World, he kept the caveman sequence relatively short. Sure. He didn't make it three quarters of the movie because he (laughs) knew there's really only so much stuff you can kind of make fun of with caveman movies because...
1: Well, there's more story to tell there. There, He had to move on. He had to get to to other pieces of history. This was a dedicated snapshot of that period of time.
0: Yeah. And I think it worked better if it was like a 10 or 15 (laughs) minute thing. The sequence in History of the World is way funnier than anything in this movie. And I don't know...
1: I don't even know how anybody involved in the movie feels about it because I couldn't find anybody talking about the movie. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, like you've got names like Dennis Quaid, Shelley Long that came out of this and went Mm -hmm. on to have you know very very successful careers. Then I mean, Dennis Quaid did Enemy Mine, what three years after this, eighty three, something like that. Yeah, eighty four, eighty five was his his big breakthrough as a that kind of put him on the map as a big name. Yeah, he's Shelley Long went on and did Cheers. So this is like it didn't like kill anybody's career here in terms of just being a. Just Ringo's and Barbara's.
0: <laughs> I mean, seriously, their filmography after this is limited. Yeah. Like, it's almost like they both decided to get out of movies at the same time. Other than Broad Street, right. they, neither one of them's done much in the way of movies since then. I mean, Ringo did the whole Thomas the Tank Engine thing for a while. Sure, sure. On TV, and he'd done a couple other things, but it's never like he was sold as a leading man in a movie after right, this. Right, right. I guess the two biggest names in the movie at the time it was made, it didn't do anything for them. But I don't know. It's just not my thing, I guess. And (laughs) I I had to watch this over two nights. It was like, okay, after about 40 minutes, I'm like, okay, can I put this down and come back? I would probably rather have just seen an entire stop motion animation with dinosaurs movie and have them do a nice nonverbal story with that. And I think that would have been more entertaining. It's because the animation is so cool. Yeah. But I was just annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, faggot. What's next? Anyway, so what's next? I think at this point, I'm going to take a break and try to catch up on some of these videos. And when I get some work done, we can pop back in and find something else. But what do we have to look forward to? I don't even want to say anything because I don't know how long it's going to be. Oh, <laughs> we will return. I don't know. Can we just make it not starring
1: a musician? Oh, so you don't you don't want to move on and do give my regards to Broad Street no. as a as a double feature back to no. back with Ringo? No, See, I also let's grab Paul. Let's 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 make it a double
0: feature. I also don't want to find anything with Bon Jovi or <laughs> anything else with Vanilla Ice or any. Thing else with the musician that thinks he can act oh <laughs> Just, let's get away from that whenever we do come back gotcha but, gotcha yeah i'm gonna play catch up a little bit i don't know how long it'll be i wish i could tell you but as slow as i am we'll see
1: well we've got several in the can here though so by the time oh, this yeah. airs we'll uh we'll, we'll be back on top of it so so to our audience it'll be like no time at all yeah sure <laughs> 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 that's your story <laughs>
0: We'll figure out something, but uh, yeah, I'm going to take a little break and try to get caught up on some videos. I've only got like four to do now, and uh, we'll find something. It's been nice. We've been able to sit down. We, we did the watch-along of Santa Claus that we put up on uh, on the YouTube channel and everywhere you can see our videos, and that was fun. And I uh, had some nice time off for some Christmas break type stuff, but now it's the new year. Everybody's got to get back to work. It's going to be cold, so it ain't going to be as much fun trying to record down here in the basement when it gets to be 20 degrees outside, and i got to have the heater off because otherwise it sounds like a jet engine is going in the background. But we'll pick things back up. So, to whoever's listening, we'll be back eventually. So, until next time, just kick back, have some popcorn, watch some movies, and we'll catch you later on down the road. Adios, nachos. See ya!